You know, it's been kind of a wild week for a lot of us, like, we, like you, you guys have already figured that out. Um, and it's just so cool to walk, to, you know, I was talking to Kyle this week, you know, and as I said, I've never been more proud of the church, but, but yet it, it's, 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 a, it's incredible to me how the church became the church this week. Um, you know, Monday when I, when I got the call from Lissa that, uh, that Pete was on his way to the hospital, and you should describe the symptoms. I'm like, oh, no, you know, so the, you know, the whole time I'm going, wait a second, love you, buddy. Thank you, man. The whole time I'm just praying, going, man, God, this is your boy Pete. Now, come on. I mean, this is Pete. Ain't nobody loves you like Pete loves you. Amen? I mean, come on, man. This is, this is just not right. So we got, you know, texting folks, hey, man, Pete, you know, Pete's on his way, that kind of thing. Um, and so, you know, quite a few people showed up, you know, from both campuses at the, of, of New City Church, by the way, we're... We're one church, two campuses, and well, camp I, whatever you want to call it, um, and and so it was it was cool. So so Pete, you know, when I when I got to see Pete, I'm thinking I didn't know what to expect. I expected to see, you know see a guy that didn't couldn't talk and you know all this kind of stuff. And I walked in, and Pete's fine, you know. I mean, he's like, yeah, I'm a little numb, but hey, man, what's going on? And so my apologies for again kissing you in the hospital room, um, but I just people are like, you guys kiss each other a lot. Holy kisses, holy kisses. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a little awkward for Pete. I think he's like, "Man, get off me!" But um, but I just love, man. I just love, I love this guy, man, more than I more than I can I can tell you. Like he's just my he's my homie, and I and and we've been doing this now for for a year and a half together, and and it's just like like it's just God put us together, and and God put us in all together here doing His work, and to to think to have the thought of you know something happening to somebody like Pete, just man, made, man, it just made my heart skip. You know what I mean? I mean, just one of those one of those deals. So, man, I just I, I love what God has has done um, this week. We're all at the hospital. Uh, Pete's good. We're all like, you know, I mean, he's, you know, I mean, there's some scaredness going on there and everything like that. And he, I think you even complained to the to the EMS guys like, hey, man, I play guitar. This ain't gonna work. Okay, fix this, right? So, um, so you know, but I think it's coming back, right? So, I'll be able to bow diddly here before long. Um, but you know, so we got all this stuff going on, and and so I get that get that call. We're all at the hospital. Um, toward the end of the night, here comes Helen Ballard into the emergency room, her and Casey Ballard. And I'm thinking, oh, they came to see Pete. Nope, they came. <laughs> you know, what's happened to Pete? You know, well, Casey Ballard had, a, had something going on with her hand. And the reason, reason that, you know, we were talking about uh, helping Helen get her house put back together, there are these stacks of sheetrock that Casey and Helen were trying to move. Stubborn. <laughs> and so... Uh, so she, so and it, and it came down on Casey's hand and you know and it and it busted her hand up so she's in the you know got a stress fr- or a fracture of the on the thumb and that kind of thing so we you know there's a lot of a lot of need there in that meantime that whole day Audra is having contractions <laughs> you know she's she's only 32 weeks right she's got a couple more months to go or whatever that is and uh, you know so she's like I may have to be in bed rest for you know a couple months till we till I have this baby in my hey you know. And, and, and it's like everybody just sort of stepped up and just did their things. Like, nobody's like, no, don't worry about it. To the point where Audra calls me on, on Tuesday, and, you know, we're kind of playing, playing phone tag. I'm calling, hey, how you doing? You know, you doing okay? Everything fine? You know, and, um, and she said, yeah. She asked me, she said, how are you doing? <laughs> you know, how cool is that? Like, she's the one with the contractions. Pete's having a stroke, Right. And I'm like, well, I didn't have a stroke or contractions. I'm doing pretty good, right? <laughs> you know, I, it's, it's kind of a kind of a neat thing. And so it's it's funny because uh, you know Pete gets healed, 
Completely. I mean, has a stroke and gets healed. And Tuesday, we're in a training session with some of the leadership, and I'm like, I don't, the, the doctors are saying it reversed. I don't know how that happens. And one of the elders looks at me like, are you kidding me? How many people do you think were praying for Pete? He, he, got, he got healed. Amen? From a stroke. I mean, dude, this is, this is cool stuff. Right? So now knowing that, we can all joke with Pete. Hey, man, do you like the strokes? Do you like that band? Is that, is that cool? You like Billy Squire, the stroke? I mean, that kind of, you know, we can send him the Dumb and Dumber memes like, don't you go dying on me type, you know, now we can do that, right? And, and all a bunch of the guys did it. In fact, matter of fact, to the point where, uh, if you guys know Cody Ketzner, he's coming to the hospital thinking, this better not be a joke. Yeah, because we're all, that's how we're brothers and sisters, you know, we're all joking with one another, that kind of thing. But knowing that he's healed, we can laugh and praise and, and those kinds of things. But it's a very scary, scary time there for, you know, a couple of days. We didn't know what was going on. So we praise God for that, and we praise him for all the things that he did this week. Man, the healing and the, the, the unity of the church. I mean, we just all kind of came together like we are the church. This is what we, we do. So, thank you. Amen? Thank you. Thank you, God, ultimately. And thank you for this church that you've put together. It's, it's really, really remarkable. And so, throughout this week, you know, it's like, it's like we've had this week and last week as both campuses, camp, camp pieces, camp I... Again, I don't know. Um, we've had this kind of whatever you want to preach about is what you preach about. And man, my, to be honest with you, my mom was distracted this, the, for, for the majority of the week. I, but I kept coming back to, so I was like, okay, I want to talk about maybe the Sermon on the Mount or you know, that kind of thing, some of my favorites, if you will. But, but in my mind, as I'm thinking about this, around Wednesday, it came to me that to, to turn to Philippians. So we're going to go through Philippians. And and as I'm reading Philippians, I said, this is exactly what we need to, to hear. This is exactly what God needs us to, to, to say this morning. He needs us to, to read about and pray about and go and, and ponder on. And I love this. What, what Paul is writing to the church at, at Philippi is a, is a definite precursor to what we're going to be going through probably for the next year to two years. We're going to be going through the book of Acts starting next week. Which is an awesome, I mean, if you've not read the Acts, man, it is incredible to, to realize what, what they did in the first century church and what we need to do as a church to emulate as closely as possible the first century church. And so Paul is writing, and, and Paul is writing this church at Philippi. Let me show you exactly where Philippi is. Um, Philippi is in, the, if you see the red arrow at the very top, you know, you see Thessalonica, you see Corinth, you see Ephesus, you see Colossae. There's all these places that he's written letters to that we have in our Bible, Philippi being one of them. So he writes this letter to the church at Philippi called the Philippians. And this is, we're going to go through uh, part of the first chapter and all of the second chapter of Philippians. Now keep in mind who Paul is. Paul is a writer of the, I mean the most prominent writer of the New Testament. But he's also come as a guy who was a, a persecutor and a killer and a, a murderer of, of Christians. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed by that because a lot of people think, man, you know, God will never accept me. God will never let me do my thing. God will never take me in. God will never let me do what he's called me to do because I've been so screwed up or I've so messed up. or I'm so. And I'm like, you ain't that messed up, right? How many people in here have murdered Christians? If you raise your hand, I'm calling the cops, all right? <laughs> Nobody raised their hand. Good. But understand something. None, none, nobody in here has done that that I know of. But even if you have, just like Paul 
can be, you, can, you can be redeemed. I mean, how many people say, well, I've done drugs, or I've done this, or I've done that, or I've, you know, I, you have no idea what my life was like. I'm too far gone. And God will never take me. I'll never be able to. No, that's not the case, man. Paul was redeemed by Christ on the road to Damascus to the point where he is trying to divide the, the Christian church, trying to get them to scatter. And the more he does that, these crazy Christians get stronger. Right? These, cra- these Christians are persecuted, yet they, they're more unified when those things happen. The more you throw us in jail, the stronger we get. The more you take things away from us, the, the more powerful things go. The more powerful the church is, the more love we have for one another, the more strokes we have, the tighter we are. Amen. I love that. See, Paul was a murderer of Christians, and he goes from a killer of Christians to, to helping us understand how to be the church. And in Philippians 1, starting in verse 12, he says this. Now I want you, and he's writing this from a jail cell of all places. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, and he's writing from a jail cell because of his faith. Right? So the persecutor is now the persecuted. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for who? Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and, and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. And I love this because this shows that, that even the worst of the worst can be redeemed by God. And when the, the worst of the worst that are redeemed by God turn toward God and then the enemy starts to ramp up the persecution, ramp up the problems, ramp up the issues. Man, it's like that just makes us stronger. It's like, bring it on. I love that. I love that. See, persecution leads actually to the spread of the gospel. You can start filling this out in your bulletins if you like. But, but persecution, the, the whole idea of us Having problems, having trials, having struggles, having tribulation actually leads to the spread of the gospel. No wonder the world thinks we're, we're bonkers, right? I mean, it's like, wait, 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 you guys get persecuted, somebody tries to hurt you, you get thrown in jail, all of a sudden you got problems, you got issues, you got health, you got whatever that is, man, you, and, and it makes you stronger? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. And see, the, the thing is that, that many of us today get, get fired up about our Christian rights being taken away as if somehow we can equate the persecution of the day that we can 2,000 years ago, not in our country. But we get fired up about things like the Ten Commandments getting taken out of the public square. We want to put on Facebook, I believe the Ten Commandments ought to be, on, be, a, be, be put publicly on the courthouse and everything like that. Share if you agree and you're going to hell if you don't, right? We want prayer back in schools. We want to do Bible studies at work if we want to. We want to talk to others about Jesus while we're being paid to do something else. Man, man, listen to me. Listen very close. If you hear nothing else about it, what we need to be doing while we're at work is working. Amen? You know why? Because if we're working hard, people, and, and, and the opportunity to, come, to talk about Jesus comes up, and it will if you're living if you're living a life for Christ, it will come up. People are like, man, uh, man, I love Jesus, you know. And like, if you said that while you're slacking off at work and everybody else is having to having to do your work for you or whatever because you're out here doing Bible studies and whatnot, they're not going to listen to you, right? You catch what I'm saying on that? We should be better. 
We should, be more, we should be working more diligently while we're at work than anybody else around us because we're ultimately working for who? For God, exactly. Amen. Amen. Man, we talk about this prayer in schools, man, it drives me bonkers because we sit there, we need to put prayer back in school. We put it on Facebook again. Prayer back in school. Share if you agree. If you don't, you're going to hell. Right? But, but when prayer was in schools, were we praying? No, we weren't, right? It's like, it's like no, but as soon as, man, it's, it, gets, it gets to be an issue. As soon as the, that little bit of persecution, as soon as somebody takes something away from us, all of a sudden, all of a sudden we're like, like gospel-centered again, man. And so for me, man, here's what I want you to understand. Here's what I want to be thinking about. Now, I'm not asking us to, for, for persecution to come, or I'm not asking for things. But, man, when it does come, I almost get excited because I'm like, good, finally, we're going we're gonna to be stronger as a church. May the gospel be spread, Amen. See, the growth of the early church almost came to a standstill in the early 300s when Christianity became legal. Like, it stopped. From the first century to the third century, Christianity spread throughout the Roman Empire like crazy. Put that map up again real quick. Like, through all the, through all the Roman Empire, it spread all throughout that Africa, uh, you know, all that, uh, Europe, all, it was all over the place, right? And it spread to the point by the mid-300s, over half the Roman Empire called themselves Christians. And all of a sudden, we're the majority now. We're the political, we have the political clout. And it, boom, all of a sudden, it's legal now. And, and the Christians, rather than, rather than going, hey, man, hey, through your trials and your troubles and your struggles and your persecutions, uh, 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 you know, we're going to spread the gospel, we're going to show grace, we're going to show love. All of a sudden, we're like, woo, we're free. We can build buildings and be in public and all this kind of stuff. And people quit spreading the good news, not totally, but ultimately it almost came to a, a halt. And so when these things happen, I want us to understand this, is, this may be good for the gospel. Amen? Sounds weird, but that's why the world thinks we're weird. It, it is true, verse, verse ooh, 18, 15? No, 15. I didn't get my focus. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill the latter do so out of love knowing that i am put here for the defense of the gospel the former preach christ out of selfish ambition not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while i am in chains and i love this next line listen to this verse but what does it matter in other words i'm not going to concern myself with their motives the important thing that is that in every way whether from false motives or true christ is preached and because of this, I rejoice. See, God can do great things, even with evil intent. See, he says, my, my sheep hear my voice. They know me. They follow me. I give them eternal life. It's like, it's like man, man, even those who, as, as long as Christ is preached, I used to be one of those guys, like, ah, that guy, man, he's probably like, like just nothing but looking out for money. All right? He's got some selfish ambition motives. And I gotta, at this point, I don't care. I'm like, let Christ be preached, and when the persecution will come, the, 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 the cream will rise to the crop. Amen? Yes, and I will, I will, amen. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. But I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my what? Turn out for my what? You guys with me, right? All right, cool. Will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed. But will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body whether by life or by death. For to me 
very popular, very well-known verse. For me, to live is Christ, to die is what? See, another reason why people think we're strange, why we're like, man, bring it on, I'm ready to die. You've got all the whole world trying to take pills and surgeries and plastic surgeries to try to maintain, like as long as you can, and ultimately we're going to be all in the same grave. By the way, the good news is we'll all be dead in 100 years. It's like, well, that's not good. Yeah, it's great news. That's why people think we're weird. For me to live is Christ and to, and to die is gain. Like I get to be with Jesus. So if I'm going on to living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what will I choose? I, I do not know. And I love this honesty he has. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Christians are strange to the world. Right? Since we are strange to the world, yet perfected in Christ, that makes us perfect strangers. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, you're a perfect stranger. Turn to your neighbor on the other side and say, you're a perfect stranger. Now, I don't hear y'all doing that. Let's go. <laughs> you're, you're weird. No. I love our church. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a a sign to them, to them, the world, that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. See, man, I struggle. My, my, My personal conviction and struggle man is how comfortable we are in the church i really do man i I, I, sometimes i just say god will you and i don't pray this on 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 us here but i but i do pray that god gives us a reason to unify see see one of the reasons why there's so many factions and issues and that kind of divisions can happen in the church is because frankly we got the time to do that we got the freedom to do that we got the options to do that right somebody doesn't like the carpet like i'm leaving i'm going to another church right somebody leans into somebody and say you know this i see this sin in you can you you know this is something i don't think god wants I'm like, well it's none of your business i'm leaving right and that don't happen in china right i mean it just doesn't happen there's no options like that in China. There's no factions. There's no, they don't even care about, about the denominations there, right? Because it's illegal. But they're unified. They love one another. They dig one another, right? And so when Paul's saying, look at what you guys are doing, I'm proud of what you guys are doing, he's talking to them in a culture where they can't do it legally. Amen? So sometimes I even say, God, what would it look like if it was illegal for us to be here? I think we'd have, well, we probably would have empty seats. But if we did this in secret, in our homes or wherever it was, man, you couldn't keep people away. People are like, I think I'm just going to go camping this weekend. I don't really want to be with other Christians. Seriously? Right? 
Now, I'm not saying camping's bad or anything like that or people need to take weekends off. Or you know, I'm not saying that. But I do say that the options that we have are a result of the freedoms that we have. And I love the freedoms and I appreciate the freedoms that we have, but sometimes because we have them, we don't appreciate what we got. Man, look at the Philippian church. Chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being, what does he say here? Like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Now, I, I love this because I've had people come into the church sometimes and think, you know, I just really don't feel loved or I just really don't feel like family or anything like that. And, and my response almost 99% of the time is, how are you helping others feel that way? How are you helping others feel loved? How are you helping others feel like family. You know what would happen if, if Alicia and Daniel helped other people feel like family, which you guys do, by the way. I appreciate and love you very much. If you guys helped other people feel like family and everybody else helped them feel like family, do you think they would ever feel left out? You, you know what I'm saying? Like, like I, I've, I've got the, my, my thoughts on the other people, but i got 200 people's thoughts on me. I will never feel alone. I will never feel disconnected. I will never feel that way. Do you, do you catch how that works? This is a mutual submission. This is a mutual thought. If we all did this, nobody would go on living in need. Amen? It's amazing. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as, as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. See, if I was God, I'd be, used to be like, yeah, man, I, got all, I need all the stuff, right? If I was God, God deserves that, but thank God I'm not God. Here's God, comes in the flesh, doesn't use any of this to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by being, becoming obedient to death, even death, on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and in heaven on, or, on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore my dear friends as you have always obeyed he loves this church. He loves the church of Philippi. Not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run in or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. And listen to what he says of the next future. We're almost done here, guys. I hope in the Lord Jesus 
to send Timothy to you soon. Timothy is his son in the faith. He's got a couple of sons he's going to talk about in the faith here. That I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself. Because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But, everybody say but. But I think it necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow, what's that word? Soldier. Book of Philippians is often called the book of joy, but it has a lot of war language in it. Because we're in a fight here. Yeah, go right ahead, right ahead. My brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him. And not only, not on him only, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I'm all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less, less anxiety. So then welcome him to the Lord. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him. Because he almost died for the work of Christ. And he risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Much like he did with Pete. Amen. Father, we love you. It has been a crazy, crazy, awesome, amazing, scary, wild ride of a week. There are emotions that are flowing this morning that God, I, I, I never anticipated. I, I didn't know if I could get through the message without bawling like a little girl, to be honest with you. But um, God, we thank you for saving Pete and healing him. Man, I'm just going to be honest, Lord. This place ain't right without him. You are complete. You complete everything here. Your Holy Spirit is all we need, God. And we thank you for sending people like Pete, like Helen, like the Shoeys, like, like Lissa, like, oh, man, God. We thank you for them. Thank you for the folks that were able to step up this week. For Kyle and Joan and Keith and Lisa and Daniel. And will, who even switch? I mean, it's like, my God, it's a perfect example of your of your family. We've got one that needs to take some time. Everybody just sort of shifts over, no problem. Boom. What a church you've made. What a church you've made. To the point where people were calling me, asking me if I was okay. God, I think that what you have made here is a church very similar to the church of Philippi where people actually look out for the interests of others. 
that there's nobody here, God, that needs to suffer in need or in want, <laughs> mostly need, that, that we can't provide for one another. We've already got people that have come to me this morning saying, Helen's house is taken care of, don't worry about it. That doesn't mean that we need to stop working for Helen, Lord, but, but just guide us in that, God. Guide us completely in that. We pray for the, the Kerwins. So they've got all these medical bills now, God, that we pray that tonight we knock some of that out, if not all of that out, when we give the offering at, the, at Rekindle. Pray for the Shueys that they are still in limbo with their house. All these folks that are here, Lord, serving and giving, that, that are just your people, that make great sacrifices to serve here. Um, God, I ask that you bless them immensely. It is in your son's amazing and incredible and beautiful name we pray. All God's people said, amen. I'm going to ask the ushers to go ahead and come on forward. And uh, we do have, if anybody needs to be baptized this morning, come forward. We had a baptism this morning. Uh, Stephanie Hyde, be praying for her. As soon as you take that first step of obedience, kind of like what Paul, hap- you know, what happens to us is like, like the enemy sort of ramps up his game, right? He's like, ah, oh, I got to stop this person from helping anybody else know Jesus, right? <laughs> So pray for Stephanie, man. She took a great step, uh, great leap of courage and, and faith this morning. So if anybody else needs to take that step, man, the water is warm. I got that confirmation. And we didn't screw up the heater yesterday. But let me pray for this offering because this is an honor and a privilege to be able to give to God what's already His. I mean, it just blows my mind. God should demand it all from us. But He's like, no, 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 no. If you're a tither, He's like, yeah, keep 90% of what's mine. It's cool. What a great God we serve. Amen. Father, we pray for this offering. It is an honor and a privilege to be able to do this with you, for you. And may you take this money and put it to the use that you see fit. Get us out of the way, God. This is yours. It's in your son's amazing name we pray. All God's people said, amen.